Bel Air. The official podcast is produced by iHeart Podcast Network and Peacock. Hey everyone, welcome to episode three of Bel Air, the official podcast. I am DJ Jazzy Jeff. I'm Aida Osman. Every time you say your name, I'm literally shocked that I'm here with you. Uh, <laughs> every week, we get a little more excited to run through what happened on this week's episode of Bel Air. Jeff, how you feeling? How you feeling? We just watched episode five. What do you think about this one? This one really hit home. Just the whole concept of the different views of success and how everybody is approaching them. And that becomes a major crossroad a lot of times with people Mm -hmm. of just, you know, I want this, you want this, and our journeys don't align. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that that hit home. Right, and the disappointments. It was really hard and genius watching Will cleverly dodge Trey every time he mentions coming home to Philadelphia. (laughs) Like, he'll get distracted or he'll take candy from Viv or he'll do something just to dodge it. But Trey knew that, though. He felt You think so? Oh, man. I, I kept sitting there saying, okay, he did it once, he did it twice. When he did it the third time, you kind of saw this look in Trey's eyes. It was that it was kind of like he's deflecting. He's from West Philly. He knows when people do that. And he knows Will. That's his boy. They yes. grew up together, right? It makes me start to think about, like, Will is excited to be in Bel Air, and he has this whole world of new opportunities. Mm. It's a new version of success for him, and he can't bring Trey with him. How am I supposed to act, bro? You want to level up and leave my broke ass behind? You thought I'd be cool with that shit if I went to Disneyland first? Trey. We supposed to be boys. You supposed to be happy for me when some great shit comes in my life. Cause you the special one, huh? I forgot. You gonna go off and do big time shit and what, I'm just supposed to sit around and wait for you to tell me about it? Is that it, Will? Oh, <laughs> cause you the GOAT. Huh. Trey can't live in that mansion with them, you know? So there's kind of this like guilt occurring with Will. He doesn't want to tell him. Yes. Do you feel like, I mean, you're DJ Jazzy Jeff. You came up with Will Smith. <laughs> Y'all pretty much had this story that is happening yes. in the show. Did you ever feel that growing up and finding success? Oh my gosh. You still feel it. It took me a while to really understand that I had a group of friends that I grew up with. I had a group of friends that I started DJing with. I had a group of friends that I went to high school with. And then it was the Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince group of friends. Mm-hmm. And then my producer group of friends that sometimes they all don't match. Yeah. You know, sometimes you meet people with different goals. You know, I remember when um, Will and JL made the move to L.A. The entire time that I was on the Fresh Prince, I, I commuted. Wait, what do you mean? Like we shot. Once we wrapped Friday night, I was at the airport on a red eye flight home. Wow. Like, I never moved to California. So I relate to this so much because that was me. I was holding on to something. My music wouldn't sound the same. My lifestyle wouldn't be the same. Mm -hmm. These are all the things that were playing in my head. And I never forget Will and JL said, you know, once you move, you'll understand a lot more Mm -hmm. why you should have moved. You know, Philly is my home and I love it to death. But in order to get where I needed to go, I needed to leave. And not only are you leaving the physical place, you're leaving people. You're leaving people and you're leaving a mindset. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes, yes. 
I think I yes, remember you were leaving your mindset when I first moved to LA. My first, it was a couple of years ago. I, I went out to go find writing jobs before I was writing for Big Mouth, and I journal and diary whatever. <laughs> and I was looking back at my <laughs> journal, and the first thing I wrote was because it's my first day in LA, my first time seeing it, my first time moving around as an adult, like a creative adult. And I wrote, "Damn, it is so much money to get out here." It is so much money. And I didn't even conceptualize yes. how many opportunities were in L.A. until I was in the city, foot on the ground, mm. meeting the people who had the same drive and ambition and, yep. you know, ingenuity as me. So, yeah, it is about leaving a mindset. It's about being around like-minded people. And those groups don't always match up. They really don't. No. And we definitely see that happen in the show. We see all different types of success. We see that's a huge through line in the show. And success isn't always financial. Mm -hmm. That is one of the biggest misconceptions that everybody thinks, you know, if I make this big, huge amount of money, that's going to solve all of the problems. And success is measured different depending on the individual. Somebody's success could be money. Somebody's success could be family. Somebody's success could be making a living doing what they absolutely enjoy. And to, to sit and watch, I think Trey's version of success is growing old in West Philly. Yeah. And it's not like that anymore for Will. Was there a moment in your career where you realized like you had to cut some people off because having them in your life was not allowing you to grow? Um, yeah, yeah. And that's hard. I think sometimes you have to realize that people have a position and their position in your life may not encompass your entire life. Mm -hmm. You know, you have people that you play basketball with on a Saturday and that's their position. And it's just unfortunate that sometimes when you grow up with these people, you spend every waking moment with these people only to get to a point that there's a fork in the road and you start to drift into different areas. That day one friend becomes the every fourth Saturday of the month <laughs> basketball friend. Yeah, yeah. And you have to be willing to accept that and pray that they are. Mm -hmm. You know, I lean toward the Black women characters on the show, obviously, because I can see myself so much more clearly in them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's moments where the characters' versions of success conflict, like we were talking about. Like Aunt Viv's version of success is making sure Hillary has this understood mm -hmm. career path and it's makes sense and it's respectable for Black women. But Hillary's version of success is doing the exact opposite of what her mama tells her to do <laughs> and paving that out for herself. And it's just interesting. It's interesting to see, especially in this episode, the conversation between Ashley and Hillary about yes. Ashley's sexual identity and to see how that's handled so delicately, so beautifully, successfully yes. is really the word that I yes. could use for it. Yes. I, I love all the depictions of the Black women in the show. I think that the writers did such a good job of making sure that we were advocated for and spoken for in a real way. It's beautiful. It really was. Who do we have on the show today? Who do we have on the show today? We're finally bringing on one of the actors. And let me not say finally. It's episode three. Let me chill. But <laughs> today's guest is the very poised, yes. talented Adrian Holmes, who plays Uncle Phil. We're going to be talking to him about mm. success and what it means for him to be successful as Uncle Phil, but also for Adrian, the actor. Adrian Holmes is a Canadian actor in both film and television. 
He is award-winning. He has Canada's Leo Award for his portrayal of Nick Barron, an inner-city policeman in the series 19-2. He splits his time between Los Angeles, London, and Vancouver. I don't know where he finds all that time, but (laughs) he did also grow up in Vancouver. And I know this is a super meaningful role for Adrian, just playing a character such iconic as Uncle Phil. I know he's just gassed. I think Adrian Holmes has his own rendition of it that deserves his own respect as well. He did a beautiful job. Yes. So here's our conversation with Adrian. We are very, very fortunate to be joined by our first actor on the podcast who is in the show. And mm. don't tell the others, but my favorite performance in this whole show. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, Adrian Holmes is here. Hey. He played Uncle Phil, and we have so many questions for him. Hello. Yes. Yes. Hey, how you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Wow. You've had quite the week, I'm sure, doing a lot of press. How you feeling? Ah, oh, man. Uh, exhausted. But but excited at the same time, you know, <laughs> just so many uh, emotions, just excited and happy to be uh, on this journey and this legacy, uh, part of this iconic show that uh, we all grew up with. Well, congratulations. Truly congratulations. You've been acting for many, many years, but this feels this feels big. This is a huge breakthrough, too, to get yeah. to portray Uncle Phil. This, yeah, this is a level up for me, for sure. This is the uh, this is the biggest, uh, most important job I've had in my career. He's Uncle Phil. He's America's uncle. America's dad, you know, everybody looked up to him and wished, you know, their dad, you know, had a lot of characteristics and qualities that he had, and, and including myself, you know, so it's, uh, it's a blessing to be able to, to play him for this generation. How did you feel when you got that call? Like when that call came <laughs> in yeah, and someone was telling you, you got the role as Uncle Phil, how did you feel? You know, Jazz, it, honestly, it, it was such a confusing time because like I was excited, of course, because this is Uncle Phil, but I was confused as in like, is this a mistake? Is this really happening? Like it's, it was definitely an out of body experience. I was working on a movie at the time when I got the call to audition for the show. And I initially didn't think there was a role for me in the show because I thought they, they might stick to the original, um, you know, formula uh, of, mm-hmm. of, of the characters. So I, I, I didn't think that, uh, they were gonna look look at me, but when I got the call and I got I read the the scenes, the scenes I really connected with, and I had a I just said you know what let me just have fun, let me just go in there and have a great time, and um, I did that. Went back to work, and it was a few hours later that I got a call saying that I've been pinned, I've been I've been shortlisted for the role, and uh, wow. and and so at that point I was just like okay, um, this this might be actually happening, like I, I <laughs> may have a shot here, and and then I found out. I had a chemistry test with um, Cassandra Freeman, who plays um, Viv, and who happens to be a friend of mine. We'd worked together on two projects prior to this, and so the chemistry was already there. So we we got in the in the Zoom together and, and did the scenes, and she was also like, "You, Uncle Phil, what?" You know. And then when, when we started doing the scenes, uh, and I dropped in, you know, she was like, "Okay, I get it now," and and vice versa. I mean, I always you know envisioned hers. Like, when I heard they were casting this, I immediately said Cassandra Freeman. Then a, a couple of days after the chemistry read, uh, I got a call from my team saying it's a done deal. It's a wrap. Negotiations are done. You're on Uncle Phil. And I literally just was on the street and I was running up and down the street in traffic. Like I thought I was, people were like, don't kick you, don't get killed before yeah, you yeah. get the job, you know? <laughs> but honestly, it was like, I always say like that, that exploding head emoji, that was me mm-hmm. at, at that time. And it was just, again, it was just like, you know, you work so hard 
to, you know, be successful in this business. And, you know, success is a journey, not a destination. And it's all those moments in between along your journey that, you know, you have all these successful pockets. And this for me was just like, yeah, it's just, I felt like I could exhale and, you know, just really enjoy the fruits of my labor now because I just always wanted, as every actor does, a platform to really show what you can do, you know, a large enough platform to show the world what you're capable of. And this was, this mm-hmm. is it. This is, this is it. And I just said, you know what, I'm just going to make sure that I, that I'm, I'm, I'm prepared and I, and I do this justice and I know my assignment and I'm there to serve, you know, and it just, you know, tribute to the late, great James Avery, man, just respect to him. And, you know, God is good, you know, it's just been yeah. amazing. And honestly, sir, you did. You really did. Thank I think like, the first episode when you came on, I was like, Ooh, where are they going with this? Where are they going with this? Mm. Well, because if you look at old Uncle Phil, who probably, right. I think the difference between your character and old Uncle Phil is a couple commas. Yo, Uncle Phil! <laughs> so, man, sorry to interrupt y'all, man. What is crazy, man? This y'all litty as hell. It's like the Rock Nation brunch out here. Will, what a pleasure. Word. <laughs> um, right. Uh, listen, uh, I had a lot of time to think on my flight, and I just wanted to say I appreciate you for whatever you did. Ah, come here. Give you. me some love. Give me some love. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you're safe. We'll talk later. Let me look at you. Huh? Hey. Damn. Definitely a couple commas because that yeah. house is big. Yeah. <laughs> the new version of Bel Air is definitely playing with success and black success as far as wealth and what it means to be mm. successful. What do you think? Like when you were coming in to do this role too. What did that mean for you, for Black people and success? And does that necessarily mean success, having wealth? Oh, man, it meant so much to me because, you know, it's so important that we show the other side of the coin when it comes to, you know, telling positive Black stories and showing affluent, successful, high vibrational uh, characters uh, and families, you know, Mm because that is us. It's Black excellence. Our show is Black excellence personified. That is what our show is. And, you know, it's as Morgan Cooper, you know, He's incredible. His his vision, you know, he's a true artist, and he he really showed the the full spectrum of the black experience. And, and on this, you know, and so unfortunately, you know, a lot of people they focus on the on the stereotype, the negative, um, drugs, violence, all that stuff. That's that's one side, and that that happens, that exists for sure. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole other side that is that is our reality as well that we need to really. Um, just showcase more and, and put in the spotlight more. And, and um, you know, because we don't want to, you know, our, our young black boys and girls to grow up just thinking that that is, you know, their lives, you know, and that they don't, they can't uh, aspire to be bigger and better and, 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 and just to be presidents and, you know, leaders. And, and I think that that's what our show does. And I'm so proud of that, that it, it shows both sides of the coins and in, in a beautiful way. It's a balance. And I think the timing is perfect as well um, to have a show like this with the, with the way the world is. It's, it's dark at certain times. We need hope. We need, we need high vibration because the planet is, is, is sitting, you know, in a, in a low vibrational state right now. So we need as mm-hmm. much, as, as many shows like this as possible uh, to be, uh, you know, for us to be exposed to. I knew he was going to come with a spiritual eloquence. <laughs> I just knew it. I felt it in my soul. Um, <laughs> but what's interesting to me is the show is not afraid to play with the criticism that your character still gets or even Yamakra gets because of the black wealth. Like the, peer, mm-hmm. the peers in his black community yeah. 
that the wealth doesn't save him or protect him from the criticism of his peers. So how did how did you approach that, and how did you convey that in your acting too? Yeah, you know, yeah, you you know, you're running for for DA, and, and you're trying to get your your people on your side, and and all they think about is how much money you mm-hmm. got, you know, and, and how big is your house, and how many how much commas, it, how many commas, right? And and it's like you know, with the scene I did with Big Boy, which was uh, shout out to Big Boy, uh, that was uh, a lot of fun to shoot that. Yo, how much you pay for your crib? I'm not getting into all that. I mean, come on. It, it is a nice crib. It's in Bel Air. I've, I've been there, bro. <laughs> you got a nice house, too. I do have a nice house, but I'm not running for district attorney, am I? Next caller, hello. How many millions are you sitting on? There are more important issues to talk about besides money. Yeah, he was just disappointed, you know? Um, he just was expecting more. And, and he really wants his people to understand that, listen, it's, it's hard work works. You know, things aren't going to just happen by you just thinking about it and uh he's a, a self-made man you know he he's he, you know he's from Yamaha, north carolina and he, he's seen his family lose their farm and go through a lot and he said you know what i'm gonna make sure that i'm gonna be in a position where i can create change and i can um you know uh, fix this 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 broken crooked system so that other families don't have to go through what my family went through and he made a point about getting you know, the land back for his family. And, and he did that. So he just wants to be that figure that will be a, like a beacon of what can be, you know, what's possible. I just really, really took that seriously when I was preparing uh, for this role. It's just, I want him to be a real uh, anchor and uh, just a positive symbol of hope for, for the Black community. Are there any parallels with this role in your actual life? Um, you know, especially with the the success part. Um, yeah. You know, it 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 was really interesting that with all the success that Phil had, he still didn't have the success in the black community. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that happens a lot. You know, sometimes you make it, and the the community that you come from, you know, is kind of looking at you like you're not authentic, you're not real. Um, do you, have you ever had any of those kind of uh, situations personally? Well, for me, it's very important to know where you come from and to, you know, give back. And uh, I grew up in Vancouver, British Columbia, um, and I, most of my work has been done there. Um, and so I, I really, you know, try to honor and, and respect my, my community as best as I can. Now, I don't know what everybody's saying. You know, there's people in the pockets that could be saying this, that, and the other about you. And I, I know not everything is positive, but, you can, you know, there's things that I, I can, I know what I'm in control of and what I'm not in control of and what people mm-hmm. think is out of my control and it's none of my business. I just try to be uh, uh, as authentic as I can to me and be kind, you know, do what to others you have them do to you. And um, just put my faith in God. Again, just trust him and let him guide my path because I always say if you're if he'll take me to it, he'll get me through it. No matter how much fear I have and stress that I'm feeling in a, in a moment. Um, so that's basically how I've been living my life and how I've you know, operated in my career. Um, even with every role I get, you know, even if I look at a role, I'm like, oh, I don't know about this, but there's something in it that I might not see that later on will then kind of come to the surface. And I'm like, Oh, there it is. That's what I was supposed to that's why I was supposed to, to, to play this part, um, because of this message that the world needs to, to hear, and especially in this role 
as Uncle Phil. How do you think Phil has to deal with that? I mean, it's it is it's a lot of pressure because he wants to, you know, his fraternity, Alpha Phi Alpha, you know, shout out to the Alphas. The fact that, you know, he he didn't expect that, uh, I don't think, mm-hmm. uh, when he showed up at the at, at the crawfish uh, rally. He, he, he thought that he was going to have the respect and the love from his, his people. And I was stopping nothing, and I mean nothing, to serve the people. Oh, people. Hmm. How the hell are you going to serve the people when you don't know what the people have to worry about on a daily basis? And I think we both know that's unfair. Don't tell me about what's unfair. When the Franklin Soup Kitchen was foreclosed in the Mert Park, we held phone banks and, and town halls trying to keep it open for the people. We, the brothers, Eagle. Meanwhile, you're sitting behind the golden gates of Bel Air, counting your damn money. You want me to apologize for being successful, Robert? Is that it? Hmm? Is that what you're telling me? You want me to beg and plead for forgiveness because I was working hard to build a life for my family? We were your family, too. So when they threw that in his face, that, oh, you know, you're, you're now Mr. Bel Air. Mm-hmm. You forgot about us. It, it was definitely like a, oh. Because what happens is you get tunnel vision when you're, when you're a real, you know, successful, uh, driven person, individual. You're so tunnel vision that you really forget to see a lot of the things that are happening in the sides and the wings, right? Not on, not on purpose. It, it's, it just happens because you're so driven to accomplish your goal uh, and see it through. Uh, and so his boys reminded him, look, you know, where were you when so-and-so was going through their, their problems or their issues? You know, we were all there as brothers. We were there. Where were you? You were busy behind the, the golden gates of Bel Air. And that really mm-hmm. just made him go, wow, yeah, geez. Because that's not Phil's heart. But he realized that, you know what, some things get, uh, get caught, you know, lost in the, in the, in the shadows and, and can get misconstrued. And so he, when he stepped on stage and was uh, pressured by his nephew to do the, the, the step in, that's when it clicked for him. And he was like, you know what? Yeah, you know, this is who I am. This is my, mm-hmm. my authentic self. These are my roots. This is where I came from. And they are responsible for uh, who I am today. So he got mm-hmm. in there, boom. And I know that after that, he was just like as exhausted as he was because, you know, he hasn't done that in a while. He was just feeling <laughs> so, he was feeling so accomplished and just so satisfied and so um, loved. He could feel the love from, you know, Reverend Lamont and, 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 and all the rest of the guys. And it was just like, ah, oh, he missed that. He really missed that. And you he know, having that, that reminder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was in man, his bones. Really... It's like in his muscle memory. That's what you know, that's yeah. what I love loved about your character was that your character consistently shocks me and shocks the audience. Like I never expected you to do that at the event with your brothers. And I also didn't expect you to say defund the police at the roller rink. I think defunding the police is critical. Yeah. Our justice system is failing us. And a wholesale change needs to be made from policing to prosecution. And I'm prepared to fight for a new approach, even if that makes me unpopular with the mayor's office or the the LAPD. There's consistently these things that your character does, kind of pushing the boundaries. Um, But back to success, because there's so many different ways I think all the Black men in this show are conceptualizing mm. success you know for Carlton right right yeah it's social success success at school for Will it's hooping for you mm-hmm. it's 
trying to get this campaign off the ground. But there's a shakedown scene between you and your son in episode five. And this is the concept now of like moral success to me. Why... (laughs) <laughs> what the way Ali just absolutely dragged you in that scene for having no moral compass for saving Will in his <laughs> dire situation. My question for you is, do you think that Carlton really has grounds to be mad? I think that Phil wasn't giving Carlton as much attention uh, as he may have liked and would needed. Uh, and, and so when Will comes in the picture, it's, it's you know, it's all Will. It's will, 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 because, you know, he's a fish out of water and we, we want to make sure that he's he's comfortable and, and things, you know, the transition is smooth for him. So um, I think there's a bit of jealousy there uh, mm. that, that, that happens and, and, and it's just expected to happen. But Phil just has to find the balance. Success for Phil is having a happy home, harmony in the house, um, you know, having his wife uh, to be happy and fulfilled, having his kids to be all in alignment and, you know, all their goals and dreams are on the path for that. So with Carlton, yeah, you know, he loves Carlton so much and, and um, you know, he wants to maintain that bond and that, that uh, father-son uh, tightness. But yeah, I think he kind of loses the mark a little bit, you know, he's getting a little distracted and things just, just think you just, you just get caught up in the moment and, you know, you just forget what your priorities should be uh, at that time. And I think that's what that's what Phil Phil had done. I love the relationship uh, and I love where it goes, you know, because a lot of families, a lot of fathers, uh, parents, for that matter, I'm sure they, they'll be able to relate to this mm-hmm. story mm-hmm. And, and, and many of the stories on, on the show. And that's what I love about the show is because it it tackles and, and addresses so many issues uh, relationships and identities, uh, there's so many things that we all are dealing with or have dealt with or know people who are dealing with and and, and can um, just connect with. It's, it's, it's such a beautifully written and uh, shot show. That's beautiful. This is becoming such a grounding interview. I feel at peace, like oh. analyzing and assessing hey, hey. my black family. Thank you. Yeah, right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate your presence. We rarely see on television black men and black fathers being hyper supportive of their daughters. First of all, we rarely see mm-hmm. them being present. And mm-hmm. that's not even necessarily the truth of communities, but it is what's depicted in, in culture. But why do you feel like your character is a lot forward with supporting Hillary as opposed to Aunt Viv, who is kind of worrying and criticizing Hillary? Oh, wow. Well, you know, daddy's daughter, you know, you're, you're, you're really... Uh, your daughters are everything. And, um, you know, you just, uh, you want to make sure that uh, they're flying high. I mean, as, as well as your wife here, you know, what we'll discover later is that, you know, she's an artist and, and, and she, you know, had a, a very, you know, successful art career, mm-hmm. but he felt that she, she wasn't happy, that it wasn't something that she wanted to do. And so he, he, he said, you know, if you ever want to do it, you can go do it. But, if you don't, I'm, you know, I'll take care of us. I got the money. You don't have to worry. I got you. So he, in his mind, thinks that Viv is good. She's happy. She's comfortable. And now I just focus on my girls. And so, yeah, he's definitely there for her and her cooking. And and, she, and he understands that, you know, she wants to be authentic and she wants to bring the culture to uh, old cuisine the, and, and, and to, you know, mainstream. She wants people to see she's got her her spices and, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and she wants to keep it authentic to the culture. 
and doesn't want to have to dilute anything and change anything um, because of, you know, their, for their brand. And I love that. I admire her about that because you want to be, you want to be uh, your, your true self and, and not have to be watered down and have to change to accommodate mm-hmm. what other people's, uh, you know, vision of you is, you know, you, no one can do you better than yourself. And, yeah, you know, it's so important that, you know, we remember that, that we are all like a, like a thumbprint, like a fingerprint. And, you know, if you have something that is uh, unique to you, I, I say, just, just go for it. Just take your, you know, put your best foot forward and, and run with it and, and just see what happens because what's the worst thing that could happen? You know, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't mm-hmm. take. So you got to mm-hmm. take a shot. And so I'm, I'm behind her and I'm like, yeah, yeah, you go girl, you know, put it out there. You show them what you got, you know, because we're eating and we're loving what you're cooking. So, and we know there's a lot of families, our, com- our culture and our community. We like to taste our we like, food. We like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we like flavor. We like yeah. food that's got some <laughs> kick to it, you know? And yes, yeah. And we like we like to taste our food. <laughs> Come on now, let's let's be real. Um, and so I admire her for the stand that she took by rejecting their offer and and standing on her own and saying, you know what, I know who I am, and I'm gonna you know be my own person. And uh, and that's what that's what he did too. That's that's who Phil is, you know. Um, and that's what he wants for all his kids and for for his wife as well to be doing what they love and to be truly happy doing it. Um, and, and that's exactly uh, the atmosphere and the environment that he tries to create in the, in the household. It just seems like in this episode, Phil was in the middle of everything. Like Phil was in the middle of, the, of, of Viv's desire to go back to painting. Phil was in the middle uh, and, you know, especially with with um, Hillary wanting to go off on her own, but especially with Carlton and having this thing that you're basically looking at your son and you're telling your son that you broke the law um, and he's trying to process that you did something illegal for mm-hmm, a good mm-hmm. reason and you're having to explain that to him. Yeah, because you're trying to set an example, you know. But, you know, as our parents sometimes say, you know, do as I say, not as I do. How many times have we heard that? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, he has a point. Um, but he needs to understand that there are times where, you know, you may have to, you know, go above and beyond to to, to get to get things done for justice, you know. Um, and, you know, it was life or death, this situation. It was a life or death situation. And, you know, and Will is family and... And we we want to make sure that he is he is loved, and um, and that he he's around. You know, we had to get him out of that out of those murky waters. Mm-hmm. Um, we would have done it for anyone, you know, and and we would we would want someone to do that for Carlton if he was, you know, if the situation was mm-hmm. tables were turned. So yeah, it's it's you don't really want to have to have that conversation with your son, but at the same time, you just got it's it is what it is, and you just have to let them know, Hey, you know, we're human beings, not perfect beings. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and in that comes some mistakes, some decisions that have to be made that may not be accepted by, by the masses, but, uh, you know, that, uh, it's, it's a matter of life or death and Mm -hmm. and it it needs to be done. And, you know, sometimes you got to ask for, uh, forgiveness and and not for permission and (laughs) to do things. So, so, um, so yeah. Yeah. My um 
favorite relationship too is you and Will because mm-hmm. they're just the moments where like Carlton's a great son, but he played lacrosse and he let white boys <laughs> say the N word. Right, 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 right. And you come have on, to deal with that, on. right? So when Will yeah. comes into the picture, you can see Uncle Phil's character morphing back to who he really is, like his DNA and his exactly. blackness and his manhood. Yeah. And and you know, what do you think Will's presence in the house does for Uncle Phil's success mm, yeah. and Uncle Phil's oh, campaign wow. and his personal happiness? Will really is like a mirror uh, and shows Phil who he is, you know, who he was, where he came from. Will really helped Phil to, you know, in his campaign um, to, to, to drop in and just be, and to connect with, with the culture. And, and because, you know, that's, that's who Phil was before he, you know, made it. Uh, and so he sees so much of himself in, in Will. Uh, and I always say he's like the Obi Wan to Luke's to Will Skywalker. You know, he he wills on on his path to becoming a Jedi, i.e., mm-hmm. Prince. Um, and um, you know, he's 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 the wise Obi Wan Yoda to help guide him and, and be that voice of reason. Um, and and he loves that. He loves that responsibility. I think he it really um, uh, makes him come come alive, and especially in the. Um, the, the, the Yamakura episode when he took to the stage um, the way he did with so much uh, with so much fearlessness and and just so bold and grabbed the mic and I mean wow what a performance Jabari did as well you know mm-hmm. shout out to mm-hmm. Jabari Banks I mean he's so incredible in this role um, the fact that it's his first role is mind blowing to me um, he's just uh, he's definitely born to play to play Will he just uh, he just really commanded that space and 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 you know, the way he took to the stage and Phil was just like, wow, you know, uh, Carl, that's something that Carlton definitely wouldn't do. Uh, that's not Carlton's character, you know, um, he plays things a little safer, but you know, Will is just out there. He's, he's fearless. And you know, that's the, that's coming from, from the streets of Philly, you know, it's, you just do what you got to do, you know, but um, yeah, I think that Will really helps Phil to, to be more authentic to, just to ground him and just, show him who he is and to take risks and just get out there and be bold. And I love that. Well, we do too. Oh my <laughs> it's gosh. It's beautiful to watch. It's really beautiful to watch. Adrian, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Yes. Wow, Jeff, that was mm. so much more spiritually calming than I thought we were going to get. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That was great. That was a great conversation. Yes, Adrian is articulate, eloquent, black excellence, beautiful conversation. Um, I'm very happy we got to speak with him. Yeah. Next week, we'll be exploring the theme of mental health with some guests I'm really excited about. Ali Sholaton, who plays Carlton, and one of the showrunners, TJ Brady. Check out the next episode of Bel Air streaming on Peacock this Thursday and come back to the podcast every Friday to hear more. Bel Air, the official podcast, is produced by iHeart Podcast Network and Peacock. This show is hosted by me, DJ Jazzy Jeff. And by me, Aida Osman. Supervising producer, Mike Coscarelli. Producer and mastering engineer, Bahid Frazier. Executive producers from iHeart are Nikki Etor, Anna Stumpf, and Miles Gray. Executive producers from Peacock are Lindsay Vogelman and Amber Ferguson. And special thanks to Will Pearson from iHeart and Michael Scoggin from Peacock. 